0: 25th chapter of Matthew, Matthew 25, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Let's read it together. I'm going to read it off the screen with you. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with them in their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. So I'm pretty convinced that there are two types of people in this world, and maybe you'll agree with me here. There are those types of people that don't think they need gas in their car until their gas light is on. And then there are the types of people that as soon as their gas tank hits about half full, they start audibly saying, I need to go get some, I need to go get some gas. Do you agree with that? I mean, there's two types of people. And in really, in most cases, I think there are two types of people in each marriage. Oftentimes what I see is that one person is like this and one person is like this. I remember as a kid, my mom wouldn't let her gas tank get below half full. It was like a family joke. Every time it hit half full, mom would start saying, I really need to go get some gas. Like it's urgent, right? Like if she doesn't go get some gas, her car is going to run out of gas at any moment. Whereas my dad wore it like a badge of honor if he could roll into the gas station on fumes. Like if he could time it perfectly, right? Knowing he milked that gas tank for every single bit that it was worth. And I feel like I'm kind of I'm somewhere in the middle of this. I had heavy influences on both sides growing up, right? But I remember a story that I think kind of reveals which way, which way I lean. When we were growing up, whenever we needed, when I was growing up, whenever we needed to borrow a truck, we always borrowed my aunt's next door neighbor's truck, which is a lot. I know that's what we did. My aunt's next door neighbor's truck. And she, he, uh, the, the guy that lived there, he had this awesome F It was like a 1970 F-100 with like a, a killer exhaust system on it. And it wasn't like one of those old beat-up F-100s. Like, it was in really good shape. It was the coolest truck I've ever seen. Still, to this day, like, if he offered to sell that, I would be like, yes. I will empty out... Madison, shaking her head. No, I would. Empty out the bank account, take on that F-100. It was sick. And it just sounded mean. Oh, God, I can hear it, right? Everything worked perfectly. It was a little boy's dream, except the gas gauge. The gas gauge didn't work. So whenever you jumped in it, you had no clue how much gas you actually had. And Mike was the guy's name who owned it. And every time we get the keys, dad would ask the same question, Mike, about how much gas is in it? And he would say, oh, I don't know, about half a tank, which for my dad was a perfectly acceptable answer, right? Remember, this is the rolling in on fumes kind of guy. For me, Not so much. In fact, I remember even as a kid when we would pick that thing up, thinking and like fighting the urge to say, can we just go to the gas station and just fill it up? Can we just go top it off so that we know for sure that we have a full tank of gas? Because we all know that about half a tank could mean all sorts of stuff, couldn't it? It could mean three quarters of a tank. It could mean half a tank. It could mean a quarter. Like There's no telling how much gas is actually in this truck. I mean, it's like I loved it when we would use it and when we would drive it and roll the windows down and play classic rock. I mean, those are some great memories for me, but I had this deep anxiety that at any moment the engine was going to start to putter and stop and we were going to run out of gas and like nobody looks cool when they run out of gas, right? Like you never see someone on the side of the road when they run out of gas and think I want to be like them. They seem like they're like absolutely crushing it in life. I really do think there are two types of people, right? The people who will run their gas tank all the way down to the, to the gas light and not think twice about it. And the people who are terrified of running out of gas. And Jesus seems to be telling us in this parable that all the way back in first century Palestine, there were also two types of bridesmaids. This is one of those parables from the section in Matthew's gospel where this is one of the last teachings that Jesus gives before he makes his way to the cross. This is the teaching that Jesus does after he's already entered the city of Jerusalem where he will be Crucified, And something that you've probably heard me say before when we've taught out of this section of Matthew's gospel is that especially in the gospel of Matthew, the closer to the cross that Jesus gets, the more direct his teachings become. And I think for us to fully understand what Jesus is saying in this parable, we need to do just a little bit of context with what a wedding ceremony looked like in first century Palestine. On the day of the wedding, and I think there's a reason we don't do it like this anymore. On the day of the wedding, the guests, all of the guests, would assemble at the home of the bride that morning to be entertained by her parents all day long. Maybe some of you do want to do your weddings like this. I don't know, right? At the home of the, at the, home of the mother of the bride, entertained all day long. When the groom finally approached, which was usually sometime in the early evening, right around sunset... All of the guests, including the bridesmaids, would walk out of the home. They would light their lamps and they would go to greet him. And then they would all walk together to the home of the groom's parents in this like processional style March. And once they got to the groom's house, his parents would be waiting and would be ready and prepared to host the wedding ceremony and the banquet, the party that would follow after the wedding. And so, when everything went according to plan and the parents of the bride and groom lived next door to each other, right, I'm sure that this was a wonderful way to celebrate the union of, of two people. But in our parable, it's pretty clear that everything does not go according to plan. The bridesmaids show up at the home of the bride's parents, and they begin to wait for the groom to arrive. We learn that five brought extra oil for their lamps. Five did not bring extra oil for their lamps. And those are the foolish and the wise. The groom is delayed, and because the groom is delayed, that extra oil becomes really, really, really important. The groom is so delayed, right, that everybody actually falls asleep. They can't wait any, any longer. And suddenly the groom shows up, which I don't think this is the best way to start a marriage either, right? But the groom eventually shows up. In the version that I was reading this week, it said that he showed up at midnight. Everybody yells. They all rush outside. They trim their lamps. And then suddenly the foolish realize that they didn't bring enough oil, But their tank is empty when they need it the most, right? And we learned that if the wise were to share their oil with the foolish, then nobody would have enough to walk in in the processional. So the foolish have to go try and find somewhere to buy oil at midnight. And so it's not surprising, right, that this takes a long time. They can't just run down to the store and buy some oil really quick. And they end up missing everything. They miss the procession. They miss the ceremony. They are so late that the doors to the party are already shut and locked when they get there. And then it ends with Jesus saying, keep watch for you don't know the time or the hour. It's kind of a weird parable, right? Jesus' parables at the end of his ministry, they get a little, a little interesting. And this, this is one of them. The general meaning or kind of interpretation of this parable is is pretty agreed upon across the board between scholars and, and commentaries. Jesus is the groom who is arriving later than we expect to uh, to the party because remember, most early Christians expected Jesus to return like any day, any hour, and we know that it's going to take a little bit longer than that. And And we, of course, are... We're the bridesmaids waiting on Christ to return. And by the standards of the parable, we are either foolish bridesmaids or we are wise bridesmaids. And so the burning question that we're left with is the reader, I think, is which ones are we? And how do we know which ones we we are, whether we are foolish or we are wise? I think it's important to note here that the only thing that separates the foolish bridesmaids from the wise bridesmaids is the oil. They both fall asleep. They both jolt awake when the bridegroom finally arrives. They both immediately trim their lamps, right? The only thing that makes them different is that one has enough oil and the other doesn't. And my guess for us, for everybody in this room, is that we know what it feels like to be running on fumes. My guess is that, is that most of us probably live a lot of our life in that, in that space, whether it's spiritually or mentally or physically or all three, right? I think we know what it feels like to, to just feel like we're running on empty, running on, on fumes, especially this time of year. I mean, this is the time of year, for me at least, where it feels like life is just flying by. I mean, we're three months after school going back to session, but it seems like, to me at least, that it was just yesterday that summer ended. It's like this weird time warp that we that we fall into in the fall. Thanksgiving is less than two weeks away, which is mind-blowing for me. And in two more Sundays, we're going to be putting up Christmas decorations in this in this chapel It's like this last quarter of the year Just absolutely flies By And then I know for us For for my family It's like everybody except for me Was also born during this stretch of time So we have all of these birthdays And it's wonderful right But the weekends are busy And, and everything is just moving so quick And I know that for me Especially this time of year It, it is so easy for me To suddenly begin to run on, on empty. It's like it can happen before I even realize that, that I'm there. And so I can only assume that this time of year is also probably a little bit hectic for you too. Now, I don't know what it is, right? It could be all sorts of stuff. Maybe the end of the year means a busy couple of months at work for you, or maybe your kids have recitals and musicals and sports tournaments. And all of that is just colliding with one another right now, as we get close to the end of the semester and the end of the year. Maybe the holidays are really tough for you because of the empty chairs around the table, and so you just, you just know that this stretch of time is going to be something that is heavy and just requires a lot from you mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Maybe your family dynamics just kind of pull it, pull it out of you. Maybe you have family coming into town, and they're going to stay at your house, and you're already kind of having to get ready for that. I don't know what it is for you. But I'm guessing that especially this time of year, that most of us, if we aren't careful, at least, that we will end up running on fumes. Which means we'll end up asking the exact same question that the bridesmaids ask in the scripture. Where can we get some oil? Where is it that we can go to actually get some fuel? The good news for us here and now that that I realized this week is that I think we know where our oil comes from. I think we know where that fuel comes from. And I think the good news for us again here is that not only do we know where it comes from, we know that there is no shortage of oil, that, that there will always be enough. And it's because I believe for us when we read this parable that we are supposed to read it in a way where the oil is the Holy Spirit. I mean, the oil for us, what sustains us, I believe, is that is that breath of God that we believe lives and moves in us, that leads and guides us, that comforts us. And ultimately, I believe, fills up our our tanks because it's the Holy Spirit within us that enables us as a people of faith to shine our our lights. So we know the answer to the question. That the foolish bridesmaids ask. I think a better question for us to ask today is this. When was the last time that we opened up our gas cap? When, when was the last time that we opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit? So that our tanks could actually be filled. I mean, remember, we know what that oil is. We know that there's plenty. But I think so often we walk around shut off, right? And closed down from that movement of of the Spirit. When was the last time that we opened ourselves up to it? So that we too could be filled. So that we could keep watch, like Jesus says in in the scriptures so that we could actually have oil for our lamps to shine our lights by loving our neighbor and loving God by being the hands and the feet of Jesus. What I've come to realize is that we probably all do that in various different ways. We probably all have a different way that, that we begin to open ourselves up to be filled by, by the Spirit. But y'all, it is so important, especially as we go into this stretch at the end of the year to make sure that we are doing this consistently, carving out time each and every day to open ourselves up to be filled by the spirit. I mean, for me especially, I know that when I enter this stretch of time towards the end of the year, that I have to open up my gas cap as often as I possibly can. And I know that for me, most of the time, what that looks like is quiet time. I know that if I don't have time in scripture and in prayer and to sit and breathe and be in the presence of God, that it is not going to take long for my tank to be emptied. I know that for me on Fridays, which is a day that I, that I try to take off every week, that if I can carve out time to go out to Oak mountain and go on a hike, then that is such valuable time for me where I trust. And I know because I've experienced it before that the spirit is going to rejuvenate me and fill me up during that time outside. So my question for you is that what are you doing? What is a practice of yours on a regular basis, a regular basis, where you are intentionally opening yourself up to be filled by the Spirit. Maybe it's time outside like it is for me. Maybe it's maybe it's service. Maybe it's actively being the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's scripture. Maybe it's this, right? Maybe it's being in worship on Sunday mornings. Maybe that is what fills, fills your cup. Maybe it's practicing generosity. Maybe it's calling a friend who you know is struggling and reminding them that you are with them and that, and that God is with them. Maybe it's time spent in community. Maybe it's time with your family. It could be anything, right? I mean, there's no telling what it is. I know that for me and, and hopefully for the couples that joined us, we had a marriage retreat up here last weekend at the church. For me, that was a time where I felt like the Holy Spirit was filling me and Madison, filling us back up. It is so important, especially during busy seasons, to create opportunities for our tanks to be filled. And it's not just so we feel better, even though I do think that's important, because I think when our tanks are full, we are better friends, and we're better co-workers, and we're better parents, and we're better spouses. But it's also because we are called, we heard Jesus say in the scripture, we are called to keep watch, like Jesus says in the parable. Specifically, I think, to keep watch for opportunities to love God and to love neighbor. For opportunities to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And if there is no oil in our lamps, then we will have no light to share when the opportunities arise. So regardless of where you find yourself right now during the midst of this, of this busy season, my hope is that you would carve out time each and every day, even if it's only five minutes, to open yourself up to the Spirit. Because, y'all, there is no reason for us to be running on fumes this holiday season. There, I mean, there's no reason for us to let our lights go out. We know what the oil is, and we know that there will always be enough. My hope for us is that when the opportunities do arise, because they will, friends, for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would have plenty of oil to share. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.